expand your mind and enrich your world. It's time for another outstanding podcast from ICRT. The best of both worlds or stuck in the middle for good. Growing up in a bilingual household means for many kids that you're able to gain fluency in two or more languages without ever cracking open a textbook. But it also raises some tricky questions for parents who, of course, want to help their kids become strong and confident in all of the languages spoken at home, but may not know exactly how. So, lots of tricky questions. Well, today on the show, we're going to be getting some answers, or at least to start to some answers, with our guest, Christina Ahn, who is a researcher of early childhood educational linguistics and has written about these issues in articles for Centered on Taipei magazine. Uh, Christina, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Now, kind of the reason that I was interested in talking about this today is uh, I've been bumping into a lot of parents who are uh, maybe in a mixed family, maybe one uh, parent is local Taiwanese, another parent is born elsewhere. Uh, And they, of course, have a lot of questions about what they should expect when they're raising their kids, the best way to support their uh, different languages. Uh, And I've also been uh, meeting a lot of parents who uh, brought their kids here specifically Mm -hmm. to learn Chinese. So neither of these parents uh, necessarily uh, have much exposure to Chinese themselves, but they, they want their kids to learn Chinese. So they brought them here and they have a lot of questions as well. So obviously this is something uh, that people are interested in, uh, but it seems like an underlying assumption that all of these parents have is that there is a certain age where kids are going to be able to learn faster. This is going to be easier for kids to learn than uh, for grown-ups to learn uh, these languages. Uh, so what does the research say about that? That seems to be the conventional wisdom. Is there anything to that? Yes, absolutely. I would say that um, what scholars call critical language learning period hypothesis, there is um, a lot of research done on this topic since the 1970s, and a lot of research has tried to prove or disprove this theory. And I would say that as of now, the academic community supports this hypothesis that from the age of infancy to puberty, that there actually is a language learning sensitivity period or what they call critical language learning um, period in the children. So what would that range be? When, When would be the best time for kids to learn? Right. So initially it was thought it was from infancy to puberty, but now scholars are suggesting that the ability to learn new languages, or any language um, for that matter, starts to decline at around age seven or eight. So I would say from birth until about seven is probably the best time to expose your children to different languages if you're trying to achieve a certain level of multilingualism. So what would be different for this seven-year-old, this six-year-old who's uh, being exposed to these languages and somebody older who's uh, trying to get a handle on them? Um, I would say the most important aspect of language learning during this critical language learning period would be the pronunciation, the accent, the phonology, um, because at the end of the day, all of us who are trying to raise bilingual or multilingual children are striving for native-like fluency, Mm. and that does not mean that the child or the adult or the individual has a grasp on 
all the vocabulary、mm-hmm. or is in full understanding of all complex sentence structures. It actually、mm-hmm. just means that the person can sound like a native speaker.、Mm-hmm. So in that sense. I would say that it's important, very important, for you to expose your children to the new language during this sensitivity period, from about age、um, two to seven. Because、mm. before, prior to age two, you can't really assess whether the child is you know, learning or not. So, from about age two to seven,、um, it's very important to have that exposure. So, if you want to sound like a native speaker, really the the sorts of things that people pick up on aren't vocabulary. It's more、uh, how you talk, your cultural references, your pronunciation. That's what people pick up on, and that's the things that kids are really good at learning. Absolutely, absolutely. And even if there's discontinuation of the language that that you're trying to teach to the child after, let's say, age seven or eight, until later on in Their college years, for example, I would say that the pronunciation, even if it's been dormant for the last ten or so years, that it will probably、uh, come back alive、mm. later on when they pick up the language again. So there's actually going to be some carryover. Absolutely, absolutely. Now、uh, I mentioned that I've been speaking to、uh, parents a little bit about this, and I've actually、mm-hmm. been able to pull together some questions from、uh, parents living in Taiwan. So I wanted to throw a couple of these at you. So these are、uh, questions from、uh, parents raising bilingual children who have a little, a little bit curious about、okay. the right way to do it. Sure. First up, I have one listener who is a native English speaker himself,、uh, married to a local Taiwanese, and he writes. I often try to provide an English-speaking environment for my kids, but even when I do speak to them in English, they often respond in Chinese. How active should I be in terms of encouraging them to use one language or the other? Is it my job to lay out the ground rules or merely provide an environment?、Uh, I, I actually kind of got a lot of similar questions to this,、mm-hmm. and I, I think what these parents are, are really concerned about is. You know, is、uh, is there some rules that they should be following? Are there strategies that they should be、uh, using to to help their kids along? Or is this something that's really much more natural? Is this something that you know you just create the environment and you let the magic happen? Right. This is a common question that a lot of bilingual or multilingual families have, and I guess I would say that the family language environment is probably the most critical factor in children's language socialization. And if you're dealing with more than one language in the home, it's very important for you to come up with some kind of a language strategy or language policy within the home environment. So the policy is important. Absolutely,、mm. and this is what this. Area of inquiry has actually has picked up a lot of steam in the last three to five years in、mm. the linguistic community、um, because now they say that one in three families in cosmopolitan cities around the world are actually multilingual. Oh wow! Yeah. So, given this trend due to mobility, globalization, I would say that it's becoming more and more important for. Parents to decide well which language is worth pursuing.、Mm. First of all, which language will have some utility、mm-hmm. in terms of the child's future,、mm-hmm. 
um, which language is actually tied to the child's heritage or the cultural um, cultural identity. Mm. So all these are issues that the parents should be thinking about when they're trying to expose their children to multiple languages. And to directly answer this question, I would say that it is indeed the parent's responsibility to actively try to expose their children to the languages that they steam as important. Mm. And and so some parents take that to mean, well, maybe one parent should speak all one language, another parent speaks all another language. Maybe uh, they should try to force their kids to speak this language as much as possible. What, 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 do, you, what do you make of that? What are, what are the strategies that make sense to you? Right. So there are very different ways of approaching raising multilingual or bilingual children. And I would say that it all depends, as with, as with everything else in life. Um, the one-parent, one-language approach has been very successful for a lot of families. But what's really important at the end of the day is the amount of exposure or the amount of communicative input that the child receives in each language. Mm. So, in other words, if you're trying to achieve balanced bilingualism or balanced multilingualism, just merely speaking to your child in different languages at home is probably not enough. The mm. child needs to get different opportunities inside the home and outside the home um, in order to receive that input and for that input to be converted into communicative output. So it sounds like what you're saying is whatever rules parents come up with, the main thing that they should have in the back of their head is creating that balance between all of the different languages that they want their kids exposed to. Absolutely, absolutely. And that... Input shouldn't necessarily be coming from one direction. It should actually be interactive. So providing the children opportunities to interact in that language. So when I say input, it's not just the child just sitting there in front mm. of a TV listening to a certain program or watching a certain TV program, but rather having that opportunity to practice, to uh, listen, to interact. All right, uh, we're going to go to another question from one of our listeners. Uh, this next one says, Growing up in a multilingual household, I noticed when my kids were younger, they would slip between English and Chinese without even seeming to notice, as though there was no distinction between the two languages for them. Uh, this has seemed to clarify as they've gotten older, but I still wonder if there's still going to be any lingering confusion later in life. Uh, so I think that this is a concern for a, a lot of parents, uh, does growing up bilingual cause confusion for the kids? Yes, this is another question that comes up very frequently among parents who are raising bilingual or multilingual children. Even though a lot of parenting literature out there points to possible language learning delays or confusion among bilingual or multilingual children, I would say that the academic literature um, supports the notion that there should be, there is no concrete evidence to to point to any reason for concern. So at least for now, doesn't seem like there's a huge danger of confusion. Right. Mm. And parents often think that children going from one language to another, mixing up the languages mm -hmm. is kind of a symptom or a sign of confusion. Mm -hmm. If anything, 
scholars suggest that this is probably a sign of mastery oh. in both languages rather than confusion. Mm-hmm. So I would say that as long as you're providing a pretty balanced level of exposure to mm-hmm. all the languages that you're trying to teach your child, that this should not be a concern. So once again, the main thing that parents should be thinking about is balancing how much languages kids are exposed to. Absolutely, absolutely. Now I can say from personal experience in in my own life that uh, there is tons of confusion between languages. Mm -hmm. Uh, When uh, I studied Spanish earlier in life, when I try to speak Spanish, now Chinese comes out. Sometimes uh, when I speak English, even some like Chinese thinking will get in. Like I I, I say egg yellows now because it's... uh, Right, (laughs) right. So it's it's, it's all mixed in together. Mm -hmm. Um, So as as, as kids get older, I mean, is is that kind of confusion going to be persistent? I would say it all depends on when the child started learning the second or the third language. Mm. So if the child was exposed to this other language during their critical language learning period, Mm -hmm. it's less likely that the child will confront confusion later on in life. Okay, so basically what you're saying is their original native language, the stuff that they learned in that critical time, Mm -hmm. that's rock solid. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and and so learning more languages isn't going to cause any confusion there. That's the thing probably the parents are most concerned about, but the research seems to indicate that that's a solid foundation. Right. So if the additional languages are introduced during the critical language learning period, mm. then there's less likelihood for confusion later on. Mm. But if a person, an individual, has one dominant language, let's say up until the age 14 or 15, and starts learning, tries to learn multiple languages from that point on, Mm -hmm. like you, Keith, just said, there's higher likelihood for confusion, severe (laughs) confusion. All right, and as we're focusing on... Uh, language issues at home. Uh, We have one more question that we're going to refer to from one of our listeners. This next listener writes, Growing up without more direct exposure to the culture of English-speaking countries, I always wonder whether or not my kids will get the depth of meaning or the feelings that I associate with English words. For kids who have grown up in Taiwan, even if they've grown up with an English-speaking parent, will there be aspects of the language that they'll miss out on? Uh, so I guess this kind of goes back to trying to keep a balance in the different kinds of language that kids are exposed to? Okay, um, that's a very good question. And I would say that one way to enhance deeper understanding of background meaning or contextual meaning of English or any other language is to encourage more reading and exposure to different types of media. Um, books provide a great way which children can gain a better understanding of literacy practices. If the children are older, I think it's also a good idea to expose them to different types of educational media that's available on the Internet. Um, I personally like to have my child, who's still only six, by the way, um, to watch some TED videos that Mm. are easy to understand Mm -hmm. and discuss it discuss the video later on with the child to mm-hmm. to gauge her understanding to assess her level of i guess grasp of mm-hmm. the the words and the vocabulary mm-hmm. used so i think there's actually a lot of ways to measure whether your child is getting or if your child is getting it 
mm. right? Um, right? Without having to travel to that country yeah. and spend a lot of money sending the child to different types of summer camps. Right. I think there, um, through technology now, there's a lot of um, different resources out there that parents can take advantage of. Right. So especially in this day and age, what uh, basically what you're saying is. Uh, if if there is a different side of the language that parents want to expose their kid to, uh, maybe it's a side that they don't get at home, or maybe it's a side that they don't get with their friends. You know, it's it's out there. You can find it online. You can find it in a bookstore. You know, there, there's resources. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, uh, you mentioned a moment ago that. Uh, you uh, you have a six year old daughter, and uh, we discussed uh, before the interview that you actually uh, brought her here specifically, uh, as as some parents do, with learning Chinese in mind. Uh, and so I was wondering if uh, you could just talk a little bit about uh, why why you thought tai- Taiwan was a good place to do that. Yes. Um, so my daughter was born in Shanghai, and we lived in Hong Kong. And we tried very hard to, I guess, keep up her Chinese while living in Hong Kong. But as you know, Hong Kong is a very um, multilingual, but dominantly, predominantly a Cantonese-speaking mm. society. So we felt that instead of spending ridiculous amounts of money on having Mandarin tutors, which who are actually very difficult to come by in Hong Kong, we decided to just base ourselves in. Taiwan, where every day can mm-hmm. be a Chinese lesson for her, mm. um, and we feel like we've made the right decision. Right now, she attends an English um, language school, but I would say that having that community support—you mm-hmm. um, know—anytime we walk out to Seven Eleven, anytime we um, take art lessons or music lessons. Everything's available in Chinese, mm. so I feel that while she attends an English medium school and we speak mostly English at home, having the wider community speak Mandarin is a tremendous boost to mm. her own motivation to right. learn Chinese, mm. as opposed to just having tutors come one hour a day. It makes it less of a bummer. It's not exactly. just like this it's thing that's imposed life. on her. It's daily life. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So. Would say that's been our experience. All right, and you mentioned school a second ago, and uh, these next couple of, sque- of questions from parents all do concern school. So uh, we're going to get into those now. Uh, here's a question from another one of our listeners: If I send my kid to local public school, obviously this will be a huge boost to their Chinese, uh, but will this end up limiting their English? Is this a zero-sum game? I.e., more time in one language environment means less proficiency in the other language. Or is there a way for them to fully develop both languages? Uh, so you know, I got a couple of other similar questions. It seems like parents are really trying to figure out: uh, Should I send my kid to a, a local public school in Chinese? Should I send them to the American school where they maybe get more exposure to English? The European school where they, you know, have options of a lot of different languages. W- what sorts of things should parents be thinking about when they're making these decisions? Yes, and that's a very valid concern. I would say that. It all goes back to that amount of input that your child is receiving in each language. So, if your child is spending most of his or her day in a Chinese-speaking environment, I would say that there is a risk of English learning or English development suffering. So, it's up to the parents to ensure that all of his or her extracurricular activities. 
be in English、mm. or supplement his literacy development at home by purchasing different books. You know that are used in an English medium school, let's say, to、mm-hmm. supplement that. Because again, you know, children's ability to learn a language is highly developed during this critical language learning period.、Mm. But having said that, right around the age of five to six, seven is when most children start attending school. And start developing literacy skills.、Mm-hmm. Now, if your child is attending local Taiwan Taiwanese school and has not gotten exposure to such literacy programs that、mm-hmm. he or she would be typically be exposed to in an English environment, then I would say that it's up to the parents to provide that exposure in the home environment. And there are、mm-hmm. a lot of resources. Online,、mm-hmm. again, going back to YouTube videos,、mm-hmm. um, there are a lot of、um, inexpensive, free of charge resources out there that parents can take advantage of.、Mm. Now, I think that this、uh, this issue of what parents should expect sending their kids to public schools here、uh, is a big one. I have another listener who writes: Neither I nor my husband speaks Chinese fluently, but we plan to live here for a long time, and we'd like our young son to gain mastery of the language. Uh, we've always planned to send him to public school, but we also worry that it will be difficult to support him through his studies,、uh, since we won't even be able to read his textbooks. What should we expect? So, I mean,、uh, based on what you're saying, it seems like it really is the case that、uh, it could be some rough sailing for some of these kids, and, and parents need to take that into account. Yes.、Yeah, so probably up until about. Second or third grade children will not face too much difficulty keeping up with the curriculum in the local school system.、Mm. But I would say starting at around third grade is when not only does the curriculum start getting more challenging, but the children will start to feel more or less. Demoralized, more frustrated, frustrated,、yeah. right?、Um, not being able to fully. Keep up,、mm-hmm. and also the parents will f- become more frustrated by by the feeling that they they're unable to help. And so these, you know, every, everybody wants their kids to be happy. So you know, this this might be well a recipe for some angst for these kids. Right. So my personal、um, opinion on this topic is that yes, learning a language for its utilitarian. Purpose is very important, especially Mandarin, given、mm-hmm. the ascendancy of the the status of of Chinese in this globaliz- globalizing world. But、yeah. I would say that if you let that take precedence over the child's happiness,、mm. that that's like you said, a recipe for disaster. In、mm. that. Again, up until about second or third grade is when children's cognitive, social, psychological growth happens very rapidly, not、mm. just language development. So, I would say that if your child、um, seems very frustrated and miserable,、mm-hmm. not being able to keep up, not being able to kind of culturally fit in, I would say that maybe it's time to reconsider. Yeah. So, I personally. Thought very hard about sending my child to a local public system, but I decided against it at the end because 
I myself am a very hands-on parent, mm. and not being able to read that notice from school, yeah. you know, the risk of not having my child prepared for certain exams or mm-hmm. field trips and things like that, yeah. my inability to speak. The language um, of instruction at school came to me as a huge fear, I Mm. guess. And um, so I decided against that. So for these parents that uh, do want to send their kids to uh, public schools here and maybe don't have the Chinese proficiency that they uh, would need to fully support their kids, uh, are are there resources out there to help their kids out? Yes. So there are these study centers called Anqingban that help local public school children finish their homework, mm-hmm. um, what you can do is go meet with them, explain your situation, mm-hmm. and have the Anqingban teachers maybe focus a little more on your child's Chinese homework, mm. um, things that parents typically would be able to do at home for their children, ask the teacher to... Um, pay a little more attention to your child. And typically because people in Taiwan are so accommodating and so Mm -hmm. nice, I would say that if you're going in as a foreign parent, Mm -hmm. um, they're most likely to accommodate to your needs. Mm. And that would also be an opportunity to strengthen uh, maybe some of the, the softer language skills that we've been talking about, just speaking to other students in Chinese more, interacting with the teachers more, not necessarily just uh, purely academic. Absolutely. So the children, most kids in Anqingban setting, I would say it's not all study time. Mm-hmm. They sit there and play with their kids, mm-hmm. um, interact with their peers, and this can further boost their confidence in the language as well as um, their academic sense of academic achievement. Um, Mm. Whatever they didn't fully get at school, they'll be able to, um, it'll be supplemented in Anqingban. And if Anqingban is too time consuming or if too much of a time commitment for the child or for the parents, I would say that um, finding a private tutor that can come to your home a few times a week to help your child with homework is also a pretty good idea in that it's um, tutors in Taiwan are pretty accessible and not too difficult to find. Well, getting to that uh, time constraint issue, I mean, it does seem like taking on an extra school after class, getting an extra tutor, all of this does take time. So, you know, it, it, it puts a lot, of, a lot on the parents' and the kids' plate, right? Keeping up with multiple languages, even mm. if you're living in this Chinese-speaking environment, mm-hmm. takes considerable time and effort mm-hmm. and resources on the parents. Yeah. Um, I, for one, am trying to keep up three languages in in for my daughter Mm -hmm. and it's been very very challenging Mm -hmm. um you basically have to prioritize yeah right you it's kind of like plate spinning yeah absolutely right do you prioritize language Mm -hmm. do you prioritize happiness the child's Mm -hmm. happiness do you how do you prioritize each language what's Mm. important to you is Learning to play the violin less important than, let's say, learning Mandarin. Some people say yes, some people Mm -hmm. say no, right? Is having a play date with friends at school, is that 
less important than learning a language?、Mm. It depends on、mm-hmm. the parental philosophies that、mm-hmm. people hold. So,、um, at the end of the day, it really, and it goes back to what we were talking about before, it's all about setting priorities. And kind of having a clear vision or a picture of what bilingualism or multilingualism looks like for your child.、Mm. Right? So, some real decisions that,、uh, is, that parents is, need to make. Right. So, one strategy that、uh, I've observed a lot of parents taking is、uh, maybe moving to Taiwan briefly, maybe for a couple of years, maybe even less than that, or, or just sending their kids here during the summer for some kind of intensive language program. Uh, but I've always wondered, now this is a question from me. I've always wondered that if the learning is so intermittent or if it's so brief,、uh, is it really going to have any carryover for when these kids get older? Or how much are they going to really take away from that experience? I think that depends on how often or how frequent and also how old the child is at during this.、Um, Brief period of Chinese learning. So, is younger better? Younger, the better,、mm-hmm. I would say. So, there's actually a trend being observed in that a lot of overseas Chinese families or even other、um, Chinese non Mandarin speaking families all over the world are actually coming to Taiwan for various、um, Mandarin. Programs in the summer. And I would say, even if、um, the results of these very brief and intermittent programs may not be so evident immediately in your child, I would say that、um, it will have carryover later on in life, especially if they try to, let's say, Retackle or relearn the language later on in life, there will definitely be a difference in terms of their pronunciation, the、mm. tones, the, the grammatical structure.、Mm. So I think it's important for parents to not get discouraged, but、mm-hmm. just be consistent. If, you're doing, if you did it for one summer, why not do it the next summer if you have、mm-hmm. the resources, the financial resources to do it?、Mm-hmm. Um, And、just try to stay consistent, even、mm-hmm. if it seems like your child is not learning anything.、Mm-hmm. I would say that, especially during this、um, critical language learning period, it's all in their heads and、mm-hmm. it will manifest themselves later on in their teenage years or during college when they're taking that Chinese 101 class. So, something's sticking. Yes. Even if you can't necessarily observe、Absolutely. it, something's sticking in there. Absolutely. Well, of course, there's. Always going to be individual differences, but、mm-hmm. I would say for the most part, children who were exposed early on、um, to the different tones, to the Mandarin Chinese language,、um, definitely can pick it up again more easily without much difficulty later on in life.、Mm. All right, and now.、Uh- Because we are a station that has a lot of local Taiwanese listening in,、uh, I would feel remiss in my job if I made it all about folks who are trying to learn Chinese. There's a lot of our listeners out there who are、uh, young people trying to learn English as well. And、uh, I think a lot of the stuff that you, you've brought up today are just you know, general things to think about when a young person is trying to learn a language. So, would you say that any of this would be applicable for、uh, the other route for Taiwanese trying to learn English? Absolutely. So, everything we talked about today is、um, applicable the other way. 
I mean, any language. Whenever I said English, it can be、um, interchangeable with Chinese. I would say that language learning scholars、um, very often do not study specific languages,、mm. but all these、um, research results are talking about just one generic language.、Mm. So, at the end of the day, again, it. Comes down to the amount of exposure that your child is getting in the different languages. It doesn't matter if it's English, Chinese, Spanish, French,、mm-hmm. Japanese. Right. I would say that what's most important is the parental attitudes towards the languages.、Mm-hmm. How important is it to you, to your family, to your child? How much time are you willing to? To invest in your child's linguistic competence and success later in life. So,、uh, listening to you talk, it sounds like the the, the take home points today are exposure. You know, the amount of the language that kids are exposed to that matters a lot.、Mm-hmm. The age、mm-hmm. that matters a whole lot, and the kind of language and the way that the language is presented, whether it, you know, who it's coming from, whether it be from a community setting or from a textbook, makes a big、right. difference. So, these are the main things that parents should be thinking about. Yes, that's absolutely correct. But I would also say that as your child develops and gets older, you will find that your strategies for language learning, whether it be a second language or third language, will evolve,、mm. and your priorities will also、um, change as well.、Mm. So I would say that everything that we talked about, the age, the critical language learning. Period.、Uh, the variety of languages, and also the amount of exposure, and making sure that there's balance in the exposure given to the children, are all very important. But you will see、um, the importance of each one somewhat shifting as the child grows、mm. older. So it's a moving target. Yes, you gotta you gotta pay attention to your kids. Right, and there's actually one no. There is no. Right answer when、mm. it comes to teaching your child or raising your child bilingually or multilingually. I would say that、um, there's so many individual differences. You know, the child's、um, ability to learn、um, also varies greatly during、mm. this these early years. The early years, right? So, I would say that the parents. It's a lot of work for the parents.、Um, And you should be prepared if you're if you're a parent who has moved here just for the purpose of、um, teaching your children Chinese or exposing them to Chinese, or if you're an expat just planning to be here for a few years, or if you're a Taiwanese family trying to、um, allow your child to learn English. I think what's really important is parental commitment、mm. and. Willingness to invest、mm. time and resources、mm. into your child's、um, language learning. All right, we've been speaking to Christina Ahn. She's a researcher of early childhood educational linguistics,、uh, and you can find her writing in issues of Centered on Taipei Magazine.、Uh, Christina, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Once again, you can find Christina's articles in Centered on Taipei magazine in last year's May and October editions, along with this year's April edition. Make sure to check them out; lots of good stuff in there. That's it for the show today for Taiwan Talk. 
I'm Keith Manconi. 